Dude, it that makes me think of like it's crazy, right? Because like when I'm getting high, I'm searching for people that give a shit about me because in my opinion or my experience, it felt like my parents didn't, right? I've learned that through therapy, more therapy than the 12 steps, right? When my mom passed away, right? So she was in NA, I think her longest stint of sobriety was like six or seven years. Um, when she passed away, she hadn't been in the program for six or about six or seven years again. Um, I mean, there was probably 30 or 40 people from NA that hadn't talked to her in like five plus years, you know? And the overwhelming like feeling of like, God, these people give a shit was I remember even though I was like loaded out of my mind uh, at her memorial, um, it was inspiring. And like, even when, you know, I remember when you drowned, I was just getting my bearings under me. It was the first time I'd you gotten were sober? sober. Yeah, I yeah. was sober. Yeah. Richie called me um, and told me, I remember being like, what the fuck? I was like, I remember being like, did he die? Just just say it. Because yeah. I was so used to that, you know? So used to like, okay, he's dead. Like, or they're dead. It is what it is, you know? Um, but I remember like so many people posting on your wall. And you're right. The truth is, is like when we were getting high, people wouldn't have done that for you. You just been another kid that died of fucking drugs. And that's, it's messed up to say, but it's the truth. It's expected. You know, that's just like what you signed up for. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I will say, uh, I don't want to sound the wrong way, but I'm just going to say it. I didn't have as uh, a similar experience to y'all. When I did get out of jail, uh, I was also gone for, well, no, you were gone in Phoenix South for a long time. I was gone for about 10 months as a juvenile. Um, Whenever you got caught shoplifting at Walmart with cocaine in your sock. Well, yeah, I'd already been on probation for two burglars of a habitation, but uh -huh. yeah, yeah, that, that, um, and then, yeah, this girl ran away, uh, shout out her, uh, Williamson County. They were not having it. Uh, we were all juveniles. So it was a big deal when a juvenile was missing. Right. Um, anyway, so when I got locked up, a lot of people did reach out, but if anything that didn't help me, this stage character of like, I talk about it in my story a lot when I tell it, it like, uh, I've told it like once at a meeting, a lot of H and I's is like my stage character really got fed into it. And it was really only because I had the house everyone could hang out to. Um, and because I got attention for all the crazy shit I did was that kept me sick for a long time, which was for a long time. It was cool to hit licks. It was cool to go to jail. It was cool to do all these things. Or so I thought among our similar age group and peers, it was, I mean, that was just a fact of it, right? Yeah. You're getting stripes. Yeah. You're getting stripes. Exactly. And so, um, it kept me sick for a long time. Whereas like you, you know, um, I feel like a lot of people, I hate to say, were like, were really shitty to you for a long time. And so I feel like it was easier when sobriety was so accepting towards you and you had like genuine friendships like John, I remember being really happy for you. Um, and jealous cause I was still in my addiction. I was like, fuck those people. Yeah, dude. I didn't want to talk to y'all. Yeah. <laughs> you were the only person that I felt safe around, which is weird because like you were, uh, just there guiding me through drug addiction the whole time. And like, you're not obviously the reason, but you know, you, if anyone wants to go do something, you find the person that's doing it, you mm -hmm. know, and follow them. And, and you, you were doing it. I was doing it. And I was there and yeah, everybody else was associated to me, you know, and we can name them all. We won't. Yeah. But it was, it sucked because I felt, I really felt like I was trapped. I like couldn't help but have to be at this house because I wasn't going to my house. There was nothing there for me. <laughs> yeah, no. So I had to go over to this spot or this spot, which was in two totally different parts of Austin, you know, and I would make that trip just 
with no drugs or anything, just knowing that like I could still try and feed this thing that tells me I need to be safe some way, <clears throat> but the places I would end up just weren't safe. I wasn't being like any kind of respected. I was getting robbed. You know, I was uh, just like the most amount of mistrust that you can have with people. I had it with these people and yet I was still there and it was, uh, it, it was debilitating dude. And that, yeah, I think you make a, I didn't even think about that. That's a very fair point. Like, yeah, when I got sober, it's like, what am I leaving behind? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. absolutely nothing, you yeah. know? Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, like I, there's nothing to miss. There, there's pros and cons. Yeah. There, and it got to that point with me too. Like it ended up like it got to the point, like when I was later in my addiction, like I would get kicked out of trap houses. Like, how do you get kicked out of a trap house? Like, I, I was so bad. Like, they'd have, like, one rule. Like, don't leave your needles out without their caps. And I couldn't even follow that rule. And it got to the point where I was so fragile and, like, abscess-ridden and skinny where the same things were happening to me. Um, and, you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, at the end of the day, we're all sober here. We're all doing good. But I, I do feel like you were blessed in an opportunity and he's right. You hit the, y'all got the golden ticket. I mean, y'all were all young. Y'all were all having fun. I mean, remember I was in treatment. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving consent for, uh, getting sober young. Uh, John was my mentor at, um, any length or tree. And I remember he was telling me like, y'all would just drop everything. Like go to fucking Corpus. Like that's so dope. You yeah. know, like I love that. Cause I did experience that. I was actually talking with my friend, Nicole on the phone, uh, yesterday and, um, I was like, yeah, my f- we've been really busy. We haven't been able to hang out. And I said, yeah, my friend Tyler, he told me this was going to happen. Like once we got a little bit of time and like things started, like we built a life. And I was like, I do miss when we were both in sober living. We just like stop what we were doing and like go with a group of people and do shit. But I think it was even different for y'all, right? Because like not only were y'all in sober living, didn't have that many responsibilities. You were also like fucking 18. So it was that impulsivity, but like in a positive way, you know? Yeah, we we would probably spend all of our you know, last dollars on going to Corpus. <laughs> See, I love that. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I was, I'm not as mobile as I was anymore by the oh, slightest, know you know? Close. Yeah. <laughs> He's well, locked like, in now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd go to Corpus, San Antonio, Houston, like, like, if there was an idea and you had it and you told me about it, let's, let's ride, baby, yeah. you yeah. know? Like, we almost went to Mexico one night. <laughs> so glad. And luckily, somebody was like, we need passports. To get back in. To get back into the oh States. Because we were just going to, it was like two in the morning, we were like at the pool hall, which is where all our ideas came from, came from you know yeah. it'd be like really late and we'd be like you know what what about mexico it's not that far and we're like yeah let's go we're all by the cars and someone's like what about passports and we're like "Ooh." were y'all in sober living at that time i don't probably remember not. probably not if you're going I'll, to mexico i was gonna say imagine explaining that to your housemate <laughs> no, we're, yeah, we're I guess. stuck in mexico <laughs> and we have a brick on us yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoops <laughs> but we're sober <laughs> we're sort of gone yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's let's take it back. Okay. Let, let's get to this section where I'm just I'm gonna skip knowing your story. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna skip to eighteen. Okay. So like around the time that I would that I left. Okay. Okay. Because there was a ton of shit that already happened. Like you were doing drugs, you were shooting heroin, Correct. which was no big deal. You were fucking everything up at your house. Yep. And then it was almost like when I left. It just got weird, right? Like, it was, from what I heard, <clears throat> that it was just not, like, it stopped being cool. Everyone started being 18, 19, 20, you know? Yeah. So, it's like, what what was that like 
from just that moment on because I one of the things you said was I think there was a lot of reasons why I didn't get sober earlier. Yeah. You know, so I imagine like around this time is where the opportunities really started to present itself, mm-hmm. but you never took them. So just what from there, what was going on and how did it look like going so forward? So 18, 19, 20, um, everyone starts figuring out their life, right? Um, people start getting jobs, actually start working. People, A lot of people had already been working from 16 when we were doing drugs. Um, you know... The thing about drugs, and the, just like drugs, it gets worse, the use gets worse, the people you start hanging out with, the things you start doing, they get worse and worse and sketchier and more unstable. Um, and I think when I was younger, even up to maybe 19 or 20, but it really started to go away at 19 or 20, you got, um, for a lack of better words, clout for doing fucked up shit. But the older I got, the more that went away. But I was stuck on this idea that this is who I am and I will be accepted for the things I was doing. I think part of the reason I didn't get sober was because there were still a large group of people that I got uh, respect or something from. Um, But the things that I had to do to maintain that image that I had among those people was worse and worse and worse. And unfortunately for me, I was willing to raise to that. Um, and so things got really weird. You know, um, I started hanging out with older people, you know, that were doing, it doesn't really matter what they're doing, but a lot of really dark shit. Um, and it got to the point where, and this is really embarrassing to admit, but this is my story. It got to the point where this was 19. This is right before my grandma moved to Galveston. Um, adult protective services got called. Didn't even know that was a thing, right? Uh, it's just like CPS, but it's for elderly people. And someone had called because, I mean, we were doing everything. Selling drugs out of there, robbing people in the front yard, getting in fights. Some gunshots went off a couple times. Like, crazy shit was happening. Um, and they came. And, of course, you know, I was, like, strung out. So, I was, like, a total dick to them. Um, and I remember they left and I got well, which I was to the point where like heroin wasn't working like it used to. Um, but I would have these like 15 minutes of clarity, almost like I was back to my regular self right after I got high, but not quite. But I remember being going in my living room and having this super honest conversation with my grandma. I said, you gotta leave. She was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I mean, dude. Adult protective services is getting called. I'm in and out of jail, in and out of the mental institutions. Uh, I didn't have insurance, so I would get, uh, say I wanted to hurt myself and others, get put in like Shoal Creek and then freak out until I got Thorzing. That was my idea to detox. Um, But anyways, I was in and out of these things and I was just like, it's not going to stop. You love me too much. You're too enabling. I'm going to continue to use you. And... I'm too uh, selfish and self-centered, essentially. I didn't put it like that. I was too much of a dick to stop using you. Um, And so she left. And I thought, I always thought, like a lot of people do, if I move, if this changes, if these outside things changes, I'll get better. I'll be forced to. Um, But it didn't. Um, I got worse in the things I had to do because the reality was no one really liked like a lot of us didn't actually really like each other. I was used for my house. So weird. I was used for my house. It was so weird. 
Yeah, and maybe they did like, we did like each other, but at the end of the day, drugs was the thing that took priority over People everything. People would steal from each other, fuck each other's girl, and still hang out. Yeah, it, it was very strange. And so, when my house stopped being a place to be, be yeah. uh, then I had to, uh, you know, adapt. And I think part of it was that my house gave me a sense of control. Gave me a control of others. It made me feel needed and wanted, which essentially like we were just talking about with fellowship and unity. That's what I want. Right. And when that went away, I was grasping at straws and I became more desperate and got deeper and deeper in this hole. Um, I guess that answered that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I got older uh, and things kept progressing, um, you know, I think it got a lot darker because just like I said before, the people got worse and the things got worse. And that continued and continued um, to the point where we had kind of normal friends. Uh, you know, I had like friends like Nathan and Cody that like, you know, they experimented, but they didn't do like heroin or like hard drugs. Um, and they did not want to be around me anymore. Um, and so um, I just kept doing these things and essentially more trauma got built, which then was just a new catalyst for me to do drugs. Um, and it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, I think having to figure out that it was never me that people wanted, it, it was what I could provide was a hard lesson and a hard truth. And by the time I had accepted it, I was just so far gone, man. It felt, you know, a lot of things were different. Like for me, a lot of people, uh, not a lot of people, there's a lot of people that don't have insurance. There were some mitigating factors, is that the right word? Uh, contributing factors, I should say, of why I also didn't get help. It was, it's hard to have someone that barely has their phone charged and is addicted to heroin call a place every two days a week to say, yes, please, I'm still waiting for my scholarship to treatment. I think that was a factor. Um, and then you, you combine that with, you know, no, I shouldn't say no drug addict. I had a hard time wanting to actually want to be sober all the time. So then I'm having to, you know, compile those things. It's all these hoops I have to jump through to get into treatment. And I'm a drug addict. I'm not even sure I want to go to treatment, you know? Um, and so that just, you know, I continue to dig that hole. But yeah. What were the attempts like? Like once you started getting into worse people, worse things. And really started experiencing that, like, I guess, loneliness or trauma or whatever. You know, you went to treatment a couple of times. I remember you coming back mm -hmm. to the rooms and I was like, oh, the, like his mom died. He has to get it now, mm -hmm. you know, but then you didn't, you know. So it's like, what, what were those attempts like and why don't you think you stuck with it? So I remember my first attempt. I was dating a girl. Um, Love my it. What? Love it. Yeah, Love it. I was dating. Yeah, <laughs> classically, right. classically, so, classically. Like, hopefully, this is relevant. Yeah, uh, no. So it is irrelevant. Um, so I was dating a girl. Uh, it's my longest relationship, and we were just like, we got to stop this shit. That was my first attempt. That was like right when you left. Um, I think like a year after, I was like nineteen. Um, and she went to treatment, so I was like, hey, I'm gonna go to treatment. <laughs> you know, like classic. You know, um, and. That, of course, you know, I, I didn't even, I like AMA'd from treatment. I like got to detox and it was my first time kicking heroin. I remember like, this is terrible. Like, I'm leaving, you know? Um, and so I left. That was a, a BS attempt. And then the next attempt came, um, you know, I'd get locked up a lot. I don't really count those as, as attempts. Right. Um, 
But, you know, even when I was locked up, I think it's notable that even just a week of, like, clear mind, like, as soon as you're out of detox, you're like, I don't want to do heroin anymore. But then you don't have a plan. No one's guiding you, like, treatment. So you're just like, I'm going to stop because that's totally worked before. But the first real attempt, um, my mom had died. Um, How old are you? 21. I was 21. Um, Can you tell us about that? Yeah, 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 sure. You all ask the questions because I'm kind of flustered so y'all just go ahead and ask questions so this is what it was like right um so i remember when i had got the news that my mom had died i had just gotten out of jail um i was staying with my mom um she had told me uh i was walking out of her door uh it's like it's a really bad situation in general she lived in project housing i was you know staying on a cot in her room um, and I remember I was walking out the door and she was like, she called me Lily and she was like, I love you, Lily. And I was like, I love you too. And, um, I remember thinking like, that was weird. And then she like said it again. And I was like, what is going on, dude? Um, and I was like, I love you, mom. She's like, but you know that, right? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you're my mom. Like, I know you love me. Um, we'd also been arguing a lot. She was strung out on methadone. Um, I was strung out on heroin. Um, we didn't use together, but like we both knew the deal, you know? Um, and she kept reiterating, I love you. Like, I just want you to know that. Like, I know I've messed up. And I was like, okay. So then I go to my, and, and you know, I'm like, I love you too. And so I go to my friend's house, um, which used to be my house before I'd went to jail. And they sold my room because they were all on drugs. Um, and I get a knock like two days later on the door. And it's my aunt, which I don't even know how she knew where I was. And she was like, your mom died. Um, and I remember like, I don't want to say I slammed the door in my aunt's face, but I was like, okay. Like, I don't know what you want me to do with that information. Like, it was just such a shock, right? Um, and I was so strung out on drugs. Like, the last thing I wanted to be was, like, around my family, dope sick, you know? And so I closed the door, and I remember I turned around to the person, one of the people in there, that I won't say his name, um, and I was like, front me a 40 sack. And I remember in that moment, I was so far gone on the drugs that I was using. It was like this, we all knew what I was doing. I was using this traumatic thing that had happened to me to get heroin, essentially. Yes, I was sick. Yes, I didn't want to deal with this sick, but I knew what I was doing. And it was really dark. You know, um, and the whole experience, it was it was really traumatic, Uh you know, because later come to find out, you know, a lot of people, I can't say whether my mom killed herself or not, but I do know that how methadone works is you get a certain amount of take homes after you've been going for a while and she took way more than she was supposed to. And so in my opinion, she did kill herself. And that was come to find out uh, through therapists and like professionals that when people do that, they say goodbye without really knowing. And that's what I believe that like, I love you, Lily thing was all about. Right. Um, And, you know, it, it really was a it's a weird experience i used to be a very emotional guy i mean you remember when i was at my house i would cry i've never been the type of guy that i think real men cry i was raised by pretty much all women they instilled that in me real men cry real men show emotions but i think that experience me using because like i was like a broken record for the next like year and a half like my mom died everyone needs to feel bad for me and i think using that traumatic experience for this really sick personal gain um, altered the way I could experience emotions because I didn't honor my emotions, um, which has been a constant battle in sobriety through therapy, through the steps. Um, but yeah, that experience was really tough and um, shit got out of control. And, you know, I went to her memorial uh, a few weeks later um, 
and I was high at the memorial. I wasn't like super, no, I was pretty high. It was pretty high. Um, and I didn't really experience it. And of course, you know, there were so many people in NA there. Uh, my sister is in sobriety too. She had like, I think seven, maybe she had like five years at the time. So they got me a scholarship to a treatment center. Um, and I went and I was pretty serious. I got the scholarship to the treatment center. I was already weirdly enough on a waiting list to go to Austin recovery. Uh, probably shouldn't say the name, a uh, treatment center. It's fine. Um, that does, uh, funding for people that don't have any. And, um, they bump my date up and I go and I, and I'm sober and I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this thing a try. Uh, but once again, I gave it a little bit more of an attempt, but I, I wanted to be sober without actually working for it. And that's just not how life works. You know, that's not how drugs work. I don't just like want to do heroin and it just appears in my lap, you know, like anything I want, I have to work for Like, that's just what I've learned. And, you know, so I get out and the fellowship or the fellowship was really people that weren't doing well that I'd gotten sober with. Um, I hang out with a lot and they get fucked up. So then I got fucked up and I didn't put any action into it and whatever that path be for people. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer in like, for me, the 12 steps work. Like that's my thing. Sponsoring other men, going to meetings, like doing that. That's what works for me, but you have to do something, right? You just got to do something. It doesn't have to be that. That's what I've seen work the best, but I didn't do anything. I just got out and was like, I'm going to sell Christmas trees. It was like Christmas at the time. And I was like, I'm going to go work at this Christmas tree place and I'm going to be sober. And so inevitably I got high like two and a half months later. I didn't go to any therapy, which like arguably I definitely not arguably like I definitely needed that in that time of my life. Um, and then, so I got high for like another two years. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss and thanks for sharing that. Was that in your mind? Whenever you did try and get sober, like, was that a motivator? I mean, it, out, outwardly it was. I heard you say it. But, and, you, but you didn't stay sober at, like, at long at all. Not at all. Like, yeah. I mean, dude, I don't even count. Like, outwardly to everyone else, it probably looked like a great motivator. Like, to you and to, like, my family, they're like, oh, maybe he's really serious. Like, by all normal people thinking, like, your mom died from drugs like you should probably get sober but for me i didn't want to um and i don't really count that as a as my attempt and like i was saying earlier when we were talking it was like i there wasn't a moment or like a thing that happened it was just that i got sick of suffering um and really to be honest i was so in myself and so selfish and self-centered that it was really me that was tired of suffering it wasn't oh i'm i'm tired of all these things that are happening um and so, no, I didn't stay sober long. Um, and I continued to use until it got to a point where I was homeless and living in a tent. And I was just like, I'm tired of waking up in a hundred degree weather in a tent. This is miserable. I'm tired of like, I'm, I, what was I, 24th time? I'm like, I'm 24. No, I'm never going to have a future. I'm never going to have a job. I'm never going to have a car. I'm never going to have a girlfriend. Um, and I'm miserable. Um, and that's what did it for me. And the first time I believed that I genuinely wanted to get sober for myself, it was an internal, an external, like, oh, he should get sober. It was Lee wants to get sober. I was able to put a, a grip of time together, not like super long, but I was able to put 19 months together. And, you know, I think that that was really such a powerful experience because in that time, I realized that there's people that don't give a shit about me. I remember the first time I got sober in that first 19 month period, I would share about it in meetings all the time. 
the most powerful thing to me was that if I had a flat tire at 12 o'clock, maybe not everyone that I know from sobriety that I'm friends with, but there's at least one person that will not leave me stranded on the side of the road. No shot when I was in my addiction. You better have a 20 and they better be dope sick, you know, straight up. And that was so powerful to me. That and the fact that the desire to use went away. I couldn't believe that. That was so like, it still blows my mind to this day. The first time I got sober, it took a lot longer than this time. This time, I swear, like as soon as I got to ALR, I was like, I don't want to get high anymore. Like, Because I had known that it was yeah, possible. Yeah. When you don't know it's possible, you just don't know. And yeah. so I remember, you know, in the beginning, I would have these conversations. I'd be like, I was in sober living, right? And I would, I would text my plug and I'd be like, if my plug texts back by the time yes. I get out of the shower, that means it's okay. Like God's giving me permission <laughs> to go do heroin. Like I like delusion, right? Um, and then like I finished a fourth and fifth step, like, and it took me a long time and I didn't want to get high anymore. And I was like, holy fuck, does this shit work, dude? You know? Um, and I talk about it now. It's like, it honestly is infuriating that something so simple was able to take that away. It's not easy, but it's simple. Right. Um, well, it's a lot easier than sleeping in a tent. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, There's a, there's a part in the AA book that I think if, a if any newcomer like wanted to, just see what maybe the result is like it's somewhere in, like around the 10 step part where it's like we won't even think about it like we won't have any urge my you, favorite promises yeah, yeah, dude yes. like all of this stuff like we'll be completely sane like we won't be fighting it nor avoiding it like in a position of neutrality and if you're like day one in treatment and you want to see what it will be like go to that page yeah don't skip and just hope it gets there, like read one through 85, you know, yeah. and do everything in between. Ultimately, that's the goal, yeah. you know, and it's just so foreign. I think it's beautiful that you said that, like, I didn't even know it was possible not to think about drugs. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, like, and even just the like it talks about in those promises, like we cease fighting anything and everyone, even alcohol. And to me. Not only the drugs was the huge, like, oh my God, I can't believe I stopped thinking about getting high. But why that's so powerful to me is because quite literally I was fighting anything and everyone. And then figuratively I was too. I was always in conflict with myself, with others, with the law, with everyone. Um, And like, that's what it can be. And like, I'm here to say like, if there was a bottom of the barrel junkie, I was it. I mean, I couldn't even fucking pitch my tent, dude. Like... I would be out getting heroin all day knowing that I had to pitch my tent so when I came back, I wouldn't have to, you know, sleep on the ground. Couldn't even do that. Would not even get enough dope to get well, then get to my tent when it was dark and I couldn't pitch it because I didn't have any charge on my phone. I mean, I sucked at being homeless. I was the bottom of the barrel. And then, like, not even from that last day being homeless, I think I was in Galveston for a month, and then I went to treatment. Within six months from that point, I had a car. I didn't think about getting high anymore. I had a job. Sure, it was O'Reilly's, but like, whatever, you know, and I was happy, you know, and I had friends, you know, and girls were actually interested in me again. And like, I was free and joyous. Don't roll your eyes with me. Mm. Allegedly. 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 He was yeah. interested in girls. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, even a blind squirrel gets a nut. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. <sighs> Can we time out? <laughs>